What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness, in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. What about girl boners? I asked myself this question in grade school, having no idea how impactful it would turn out to be in my life. Since starting this show, many people have asked me, why? What made me want to talk about boners so much? What actually is a girl boner? And how can we inspire them? We are going to explore these topics today, starting with a story from my Girl Boner book, Chapter 2. It might sound a bit familiar if you heard the very first episode of this show, some 300-ish episodes ago, but it's an updated version that was published in the book, and today it's going to have some special magic. You'll see what I mean. Then sex and relationship therapist Dr. Megan Fleming will share her top five ways to turn ourselves on if we wish to. Speaking of turn-ons, the pleasure chest has been playing a role in these for decades. This month marks the company's 49th anniversary. In celebration, they're offering free shipping on all orders through September 30th. Peruse the timeless and coveted classics they adore from dildos and plugs to vibes and more at thepleasurechest.com. Again, that's free shipping all month from The Pleasure Chest. Okay. Story time. This one's from back when I hadn't yet learned that gender isn't based on physical traits like genitalia or a whole lot of other vital info that was missing. What about girl boners? I first began fantasizing about girl boners in the fourth grade. Like many dreams, the road to fruition wasn't as smooth or sparkly as I'd hoped. My family had recently moved from St. Paul, Minnesota to a nearby suburb. The less than 15-mile distance felt more like continents, not only because my driving capabilities were limited to a bike with training wheels. When my family welcomed the safety of the suburbs, we bid farewell to racial and economic diversity. The day I first walked into school as the new kid, I felt a wave of deja vu, It was eerily reminiscent of The Stepford Wives, the film about mechanical wives I wasn't supposed to have watched once, let alone repeatedly. My previous school was 25% Caucasian. Here in suburbia, nearly every classmate could have passed as my Scandinavian sibling. A few could have passed as clones. It freaked me out, but not as much as my teacher. Ms. Cloak, nicknamed Ms. Croak, for her frog-like tone that I would later realize sounded more like Julia Child, was known to be the strictest teacher in the school. Sex tutorials from anyone at that age made most of us squirm. Sex ed from a harsh human frog? Even worse. Even so, I was eager. I found anything taboo tantalizing, and if there was one taboo no one spoke of in my circles, it was sex. I pretended to be totally grossed out like the other kids as we filed into sex ed, my curiosity building. What in the world would we learn? I knew that the man put his penis in a woman's privates 
That was sex. And I had been told that if the couple prayed about it and God said yes, presto, a baby would form. What else was there? A lot, apparently. Ms. Cloak hit the button on the projector, then stood beside it with her pointer stick. Her round silhouette and spirally gray hair encased in an electronic glow. Today, class, we are going to talk about sex, she began. Soft snickering rippled through the classroom as numerous sets of eyes dropped to the floor. Her words blurred together like the teacher's voice on Charlie Brown. As she explained the basic anatomy of male and female sexual organs. Each time she mentioned words like penis or vagina, another burst of giggles resounded. When Tommy, the perpetual troublemaker seated beside me, laughed too loudly, she tapped her stick on the desk, drawing us all to full attention. The stick tap was never good. If she started calling out names, or worse, writing them on the board, serious trouble. Her croaky voice had a remarkable way of crescendoing as blood filled her trembling, angry face, a volcano soon to erupt. As funny as many of us found the whole thing, nothing was worth Mount Cloaksuvius. One slide would stay planted in my brain for years. With another click, a diagram of a man facing sideways appeared. From his groin stretched his penis, as solid and assertive-seeming as Ms. Cloak's stick. I recall having two thoughts. You could hang a backpack on that thing, and man, that must hurt. When a male is sexually aroused, he has an erection, she said of the saluting penis. Funny, it was nearly pointed at the classroom flag. Rather than mentally recite the Pledge of Allegiance, I honed in. And for the male, she added, this could feel quite good. Jesus, could she hear my thoughts? I tried to imagine any part of my body hardening and protruding outward. How could that possibly feel pleasurable? Was that hidden in all the boys' pants? I subtly glanced toward one. No bulge. Then another thought struck, filling me with anticipation. If that happens to boys, I wondered, what feels quite good for girls? I waited, absorbing her every word, blocking out my laugh-stifling peers. I waited, and waited, and waited. Finally, just when I had nearly given up hope of learning the answer that day, a slide featured a woman— Thank goodness, I thought, here it comes. The surrounding graphics and text sucked the wind from my hope. Maxi pads, tampons, menstruation. This couldn't be right. Boys' bodies made like transformers jutting outward and feeling quite grand, while we girls spent one quarter of much of our lives bleeding and having cramps? Perhaps if I had been back in St. Paul with my favorite teacher, Mrs. Sauer, I would have asked, but I didn't dare speak up before Ms. Cloak. Maybe she was saving girly good stuff for another day, I told myself, my gut in disagreement. Even if pleasure were somehow a part of this whole becoming a woman deal, I wasn't sure it could ever compensate for that disgusting blood. I imagined myself in gym class, wearing white shorts, blood spurting from my crotch like Niagara Falls. 
class ended, leaving me in a state of crestfallen confusion. Not once throughout sex ed did Ms. Cloak mention female sexual pleasure. Not that I was longing for it then, I just deemed the whole thing unfair. Guys gained fun special effects, and gals? We bled. Was that what drove my girl Paula to sing Cold-Hearted Snake? The one takeaway I would hold on to for years? Never wear white pants. Ever. One day in the schoolyard during recess, I heard boys talking about boners. The moment I gained understanding, I wondered, what about girl boners? It would be years before I'd have an answer. We shouldn't have to wonder about or disregard female or femme sexual pleasure, but it's hard not to in today's culture. Often when I make such a statement, somebody remarks on the increasing over-sexualization of girls and women. Sex is everywhere, someone will say, or women are too sexual, if you ask me. Promiscuous. If you've ever wondered about this, here's the thing. Sexualization, which is tightly linked with sexual objectification, is far different from embracing our sexuality and capacity for pleasure. Quote-unquote female sexuality is used to sell everything from burgers to sports cars. Yet when we talk about femme sexuality for educational or personal pleasure purposes, much of the world flips out, and we hit roadblocks. Here's one example— Gynecologist Dr. Jen Gunther wrote an educational book called The Vagina Bible, and when it was released last year, her marketing campaign was rejected because the ads included the word vagina. Meanwhile, products geared toward men, especially cis men, are promoted extensively without a hitch. Does the word Viagra ring a bell? Some years ago, I did research and found that while there are many, many terms for quote-unquote, male sexual pleasure, there were zero female equivalents in my slang dictionary. Leading up to that, girl boner had become this sort of joke term slash term of endearment for me with partners and with friends. So I applied to trademark it, and I did eventually get the mark, but it was rejected at first for being vulgar. A friend suggested I look into trademarks that had been swiftly approved without a hitch that use female sexuality to sell products to men and... Wow, again, there are countless. I could share hundreds more examples, but I think you get the picture. My goal with Girl Boner is to encourage folks of all gender identities to embrace their sexuality for fuller, more authentic lives, to do away with shame and stigma. Because trust me, these types of messages harm all of us, contributing to issues like shame, higher levels of stress and anxiety, reduced self-esteem, relationship problems, sexual dysfunction, desire issues. As I've said before, I really believe that inequality, repression, and damaging myths are major libido tankers. Like, who wants to have sex when they're feeling oppressed? When women rise, so do girl boners. And when we feel better able to enjoy and express our sexuality as we see fit, regardless of how often we desire sex or choose to engage in it, everyone benefits. And when I say girl boners, by the way, I'm talking about sexual arousal in any femme-identifying person. It's not about the type of genitalia you have. And regardless of your gender or what kind of boners you experience, you are all welcome here. 
So given the many obstacles that can stand in the way of arousal, how can we turn ourselves on if we wish to? Let's say we're feeling stressed or blah or having trouble prioritizing pleasure, or maybe we just want to have more fun. Dr. Megan said she was excited to share five ways because she's really passionate about owning our own pleasure. And foundational to doing that is understanding our personal turn-ons. She said it can be really easy to delegate getting turned on to a partner when really it starts with us. Here's Dr. Megan Fleming with five ways to turn ourselves on. It certainly starts with creating a sensual space. So think about candles, aromatherapy, music, pillows, sort of even the texture, whether it's silk or satin or cotton, like what do you like to feel against your skin and really create a place for your pleasure practice. Because it's important that you prioritize, I'd say, 30 to 40 minutes, at least once a week. And this space is going to invite you into a state of relaxation. The foundation of arousal is relaxation. So step one, creating that space. Step two is just to observe and notice. Like historically, what spoke to you? Like what really lit you up and turned you on when you were watching a movie? You might have been reading a romance novel listening, watching erotica, reading erotica. What are the core themes? Was there sort of just you and your partner? Was it a group experience? Was it playing with power, whether that's dominance or submission, but really just noticing what are those core erotic themes? And then third is based on that, I want you to do a deeper dive. So this is where you're going to actively explore both reading, watching, even listening to erotica. There's so many great apps right now for that. And so take the themes you already know. And I'm also encouraging you to go out of your comfort zone and try on a different genre, a different theme, a different kind of fantasy. Because as I always say, we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. So make it a practice to always be expanding your repertoire. Number four is what I call roaming hands. Think of this sort of as a mindfulness exercise and really get some massage oil. In fact, you might even want to warm it up. And I just want you to, I always sort of say your biggest sex organ is your mind, but your biggest organ is your skin. So head to toe. Do you like, what is the pace, right? What is the pressure? What is the intensity? Really focusing again on your nipples, the nape of your neck, your inner thighs. Just really take the time and let your hands roam and explore all the different ways your body likes to experience and receive touch. And then five is exploring something new. So this could be a sex toy and maybe a new tech. So if you like a vibrator, maybe this is more the pulsation suction of say the womanizer or satisfier, or maybe it's new lingerie, right? Getting back into our minds, like what makes us feel sexy? Because that is a big part of getting our head in the right space to be receiving the turn on. So again, arousal is both mental and physical. And I hope with these five practices that you are exploring more of your own turn on. But most importantly, the thing I want you to take away is that you prioritize your pleasure practice each and every week and ideally each and every day. As always, can't wait to hear how it goes. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. I especially love what she shared about creating a sensual space and setting aside time each week to explore your own pleasure. To receive Clitoral Play, seven techniques for mind-blowing pleasure and occasional hot sex tips from Megan, text the word DESIRE to 66866. Again, that's DESIRE to 66866. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and consider letting your friends know about the show. Ratings and reviews are also so appreciated. This episode was hosted and produced by me, August McLaughlin, with audio management and scoring by Mackenzie Mizell, the founder and organizer of the Period Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.